Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Welcome everybody. In today's show we are going to be chatting about professional organisers and what they do. We thought in the wake of our episodes a few weeks ago about Marie Kondo and her skills and her methodology and what she uses to declutter people it might be nice to explore what we believe a professional organizer is and what we think they do and what we do in our working lives um to give you a bit more of an understanding so because you probably identify with the professional organizer mold more than I do and we might get to that a bit later on um, I'm going to throw some questions at you and see what you come up with. But okay. I, guess, I guess first of all, <laughs> would you describe yourself or introduce yourself to someone as a professional organiser or do you use the word declutter coach or some other term? I use declutter coach um, because that sort of better describes what I spend my time doing better describes the the result of what I do um, but professional organizer is kind of an umbrella term which mm-hmm. includes declutter coaching because professional organizers as part of their role do coach people through the decluttering process it's just for me it's the largest part of my focused fo- focus it's what I do most of the time. It's what I focus mostly on. Whereas professional organizer is quite a broad term that covers a lot of different things that you can do. Uh, so I, I describe myself as a declutter coach. But if people don't understand what that means, then I'll say professional organizer um, as well. So, Beck, you have been in the industry for a long time. Relatively speaking, you've been in the industry forever because you were around doing what you do a long time before it came became fashionable so was the term professional organizer used when you first started out or is that something that has come on in more recent times no it's definitely been used for a a while in america the industry started a lot earlier than it did in australia so it's been around for 20 30 years even I think Mm -hmm. and so they've used professional organizer for a very long time and originally the people who started off in the industry used that term because they wanted to distinguish themselves from cleaners and housekeepers because they Mm -hmm. wanted to um, show the difference between what it is they do and what it is a housekeeper or a cleaner might do and so they they put the word professional organizer in there so that it Um, highlighted the difference they wanted to be seen as highly skilled professionals and so that was sort of why they used that 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 term and it's it's stuck around it's it's spread and it's it's used that term is used um yeah all over the world now i do find that there are some people out in the public so those not in the industry who use the word personal organizer a lot and Mm -hmm. none of us use that as professionals, none of us use the word personal organiser and we don't know why the public uses it a lot, but they do, uh, which is, is quite interesting. But 
to, to most people who are professional organisers, the term personal organiser kind of feels a little bit more like the role of a PA or a concierge yep. or something like that. So that's why we don't use it because we think it doesn't actually describe well enough what we do. But it is, it is used a bit in the public. Okay, so if you were going to outline a generic job description for a professional organiser, what would you what would you say? What would you say in generalist okay. terms they do? Okay, it's it's very hard to be general. So you, it's it's this is a quite a, a tricky thing to do because it is. We'll t- might talk a bit later about how many different things professional organisers do, but basically, we work with clients to bring order to their lives in some way. Um, to increase efficiency, to reduce stress, um, to assist them to make changes, um, managing life transitions, um, but ultimately to improve their quality of life and emotional well-being in relation to the relationship they have with their space and their time and their belongings. So it's all about you know the the space that people have, the time that they use, and making the most of that and making it um, a positive impact on their lives or a positive part of their lives. So do you think that adequately describes what you do then? How does how does the generic term um, and the generic yeah. description fit with your day-to-day experience of it? Okay. Um, it's, it's, it is very general, but it pretty well does match quite well what it is that I do. My, I see my role as helping people change the relationship they have with their belongings from an unhelpful one to a helpful one and then the result of that being that they have uh, a better self-esteem, they have lower stress, they have, um, they're more efficient, they waste less time, they feel more productive. So I think that um, it does describe quite well uh, what what it is that that I spend my time doing, and the focus and and how I how I get people to that point um, is possibly a little bit different to how others might um, get people to that point. So how I get them to that point is by um, helping them let go, helping them simplify, and helping them reduce the volume of their belongings. There are many people in the industry who don't do that much. They focus on organising what is there. And there are a lot of people out there who don't necessarily need to declutter, they just need to organise. So they don't have a great deal of stuff but they don't have any systems or they have um, storage challenges or they want to be able to be, you know, super productive or extra efficient. And so a professional organiser can help them do that without decluttering. But mine is definitely focused very heavily on decluttering and if I get a request from someone who says you know can you please organize my pantry I'll generally refer them to another organizer because it's just not my my thing it's not something that I um, am very focused on if they rang me up and they said I have about two years worth of food in my pantry I'm you know storing up for the apocalypse I know that it's not helpful for me, but I find it difficult to let go of these. Can you help me? Then that's the pantry for me. So there's mm-hmm. the sort of the difference between the the two different roles that the same professional can can work with. Yeah, I found that too. I have been in places where I've decluttered a space and then the next request from a client comes to make it look Pinterest worthy or something that could be you know photograph for Vogue magazine Mm. and that for me is not my skill set either but there are 
excuse me, there are some professional organisers that will um, do that and that are mm-hmm. brilliant at doing that. And I think there can be a misconception that every professional organiser does the full scope. Yeah. They can declutter, they can restyle. Um, but I guess like every profession, people have got different skill sets or yeah. strengths and weaknesses in different areas. So Yeah, that's right. Um, and specialising, you know, there are mm. I'm a huge fan of specialising and I'll actually mentor new organisers and say to them, you know, it would be awesome if after you've been in this industry for a little while and you've had a bit of a practice and you've started to get to know your strengths and your weaknesses and your likes and your dislikes, it's really good to specialise. Specialising gives other people in our industry somewhere that we can refer work onto. So, you know, there's someone in Adelaide that I would refer to if they wanted a Pinterest-worthy pantry, for example, and I know exactly who that person is. Then there is another person um, who that I know I can refer to because they love doing kids' play playrooms and toy rooms and organising those. And so if I've got a client that doesn't necessarily think they've got too many toys and isn't interested in reducing them, then that per- that that other professional organiser was a great person for me to refer to. So it means that we can share workload, we can uh, refer on, and we can make sure that the client is actually getting the best person for the job, not just any person for the job. It is one thing, since I've dipped my toe in the pond of the professional organising industry, you bunch are amazingly lovely and great at sharing knowledge, sharing work, it's mm. the least competitive work environment I think I've ever worked in, even though the majority of businesses are self-owned mm. business, independent businesses. People are really friendly, very welcoming and very generous with their knowledge and their skills and it's it's really lovely to see. I didn't expect it to be like that oh, when okay. I... Yeah, it is. Mm. It's it's great. There's there's been it's been fostered over, you know, over a dec more than a decade now. And it has um, really grown into a yeah, extra supportive environment where everyone is, you know, happy to chat. We don't see each other as other as competitors. We see each other as colleagues. So I call another professional organizer a colleague. Uh, I won't call them my mm-hmm. competitor unless I'm ha- unless that's the context of the conversation requires that. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. if someone says, who are your competitors, I will answer them um, and I might use the word competitor. But when I'm thinking about them myself, I, I call them colleagues. And so it's it's helpful. It's, hel- it's really helpful because there's – and then mostly women. And I really love women lifting each other up. There's, there's a – there is the potential for – competition to get in the way and to have people bringing each other down and it obviously it happens occasionally you know there's there's a rogue person or the old rogue Mm -hmm. one that that does sort of buck the trend but for the most part everyone we we lift each other up as much as we possibly can. So based on that then are there many misconceptions other than the skill sets that we touched on do you ever find yourself going to jobs and there's a misconception about what you will and won't do? Um, early on possibly, but now I communicate all of it quite clearly. So no, but there is that potential for it. The, a lot, most professionals, most professional organisers will communicate before they go to a session, this is what we're doing, this is what I do do, this is what I don't do. Um, and if you need something that I don't do, then we'll have to chat because maybe someone else is going to be better off with this job than me. 
so it's communication is a huge thing. We make sure that we tell people exactly what we do because there is this massive, big, long list of things professional organisers do. So they do hands-on organising and decluttering. They can do relocation services, estate clearances, property styling and staging, productivity coaching, downsizing services. They can consult with um, councils and things on hoarding and um, and squalor and those kinds of environments. Uh, they can do squalor clearances and they can do um, they can be an organising blogger or an author. So they might not do hands on. They might just have a blog and um, and books and resources like that available. Paper management, document flow, digital filing and records management, photographic organisation. We have a couple of photographic specialists in Australia. Um, and they're, they're really awesome, but not everyone does that. Um, concierge and personal assistant services, um, speakers and trainers, business organising, efficiency and effectiveness coaching, um, information systems management. I can't know that I can think of any more, but you can see that there's such a massive amount of stuff that a professional organiser could do. So the communication mm-hmm. about what we do is really important and most of that is through our marketing you know, we'll just say, we'll, we'll advertise ourselves like exactly like I say with Declutter Coach. I use the word Declutter Coach rather than Professional Organiser because it more describes my focus and my specialty. And another person might call themselves a photographic organiser so that that marketing, then people aren't going to be ringing them about pantries. Uh, so it sort of clears mm-hmm. that communication up right from the get-go. So uh, our marketing and our branding can help communicate to people what it is that we um, specialise in and what we don't do by by default. So then I'm guessing a lot of the time you don't have a nine-to-five regime for mm. your office hours or your work hours. So what is what is a typical day in the life for you then if you've got a client or a couple of clients booked? What okay. does your day look like? Um, I tend to do shorter sessions. So my sessions are two to four hours. So I'll do one or two in a day and the rest of the time is taken up with uh, admin. Uh, there's always a lot more admin when you mm-hmm. run a business than you think at the beginning. And so we, we do that. And and my day, and, and for those that haven't listened to the first episode, my husband Mick also works with me on the business and he manages our downsizing arm. And so his role is helping senior people move from, manage the transition from a retirement, from, sorry, from their big family home to a retirement village or a smaller, a smaller home. And so a lot of the stuff that he's doing is very physical. He has at least 10 clients on the go at any one time and he has deadlines and all of those kinds of things. So he's actually tends to be more of a, you know, 8am to 4pm kind of guy, whereas I'm more of a, I'll stay home till 10, I'll do a client from 11 till 2, I'll come home, I'll do some admin um, and then I might have another client later or I might do a, a conference call or a teleconference or something like that. So we, even though we're both kind of working the same business, we have different kinds of days. So it will depend on what you do as to what your day looks like. And with people who do more organising than coaching then they might have longer days so they might do longer sessions with clients my clients tend to not be able to um, cope easily with long sessions it's very physically and emotionally draining for them so I stick to two to four hour sessions uh, and quite often I'll only have one of those in a day and so the rest of my day is made up you know on Netflix (laughs) just joking (laughs) 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 is um yeah doing admin and, and stuff like that and uh, recording a podcast. Well, Don't yeah, that I was very just, yeah, recording a podcast. And, <laughs> um, and I've also got, you know, uh, another business where I mentor 
professional organisers, so I do spend a time developing that. I'm also on the board of the um, of the IOPO, the Institute of Professional Organisers, so I spend a bit of time on that as well. So there's there's lots of I've got lots of fingers in lots of pies. Yeah, right. Oh, good. Is there anything that you would like to say to a potential client if they were thinking of getting a declutter coach or a professional organiser? Is there anything or any advice that you could give them or a tip you want to give them um, to maybe help them make that decision? Um, Yes, definitely talk to lots of people first. So don't hire the first one you talk to. There's a, it's a really personal thing. You've got someone coming in your home and touching and seeing your stuff and spending a fair amount of time with you. So it needs to be someone that you feel a connection with. And professional organisers won't take it personally if you ring them and have a chat and you find that their personality doesn't match yours and that they ring somebody else because we know very well that you need to so you need to have a connection with that person. You need to be able to connect and relate to them in some way in order to actually have a good result. And so as a professional organiser, I wouldn't want somebody hiring me who thought I was annoying or thought I spoke too quickly or, or something like that. But talking to me is the only way to figure that out. So I always say ring around, talk to lots of professional organisers, ask them a trillion questions. Ask some questions about what would you do in this circumstance? You know, what what would you do if I had a panic attack? Or what do you think about this? Or um, how do you dispose of things? And what's your stance on this? And that just helps you get to know them a little bit better so that when you're in the middle of it all, there's no surprises and you're not going to be uncomfortable or awkward in any way. So the more you talk to them, the better. If you don't necessarily want to ring them all, at least go onto their websites and read everything that they write because that's another good way of getting to know them. Have a look on their Facebook page, watch their videos, um, listen to them and read what they say and you'll get a bit of an indication then of, you know, whether or not they're the type of person for you because we all have different personalities. You know, I'm not naturally organised and I'm quite relaxed, but I can also speak quite quickly. And I did have one person that rang me and she said, uh, I rang you a month ago actually, and she said, and I got your voicemail and I hung up because you spoke too quickly on your voicemail and I got the sense that you would rush me (laughs) when we were working. And I said, wow, thank you for telling me. And I, I told Mick and he rolled his eyes and said, I've always told you you speak too quickly on your voicemail message. <laughs> and I am a fast talker. But she, when we did um, talk properly on the phone, she said, actually, that gives the wrong impression of you, and which is why I actually went and changed it after that and slowed it down a lot. She said, because you actually, you're not going to rush me. I can tell by the way we're talking now that you are calm and you're more deliberate than what you sounded on your voicemail. So I thought that was really quite interesting. But um, by talking to them, you, you do get to know then whether or not they're going to be the right person for you and ask them specific questions about what it is that you want to achieve. So you know, instead of just ringing up and saying, you know, I, I, need, I need you to organise my lounge room and then having them turn up and find out that, you know, you've got, you can't get in the, the lounge room, that to that professional organiser, that's going to be a surprise. And if they hear the words organise my lounge room, they're probably thinking they can fit in there and that there's room to sort and, and to get organised. And, you know, if turning up and not being able to, to 
get in there might indicate a more complex issue that they might either not be able to handle or that they might not have been prepared for uh, or that they may have referred on to somebody else. So you tell them exactly what's going on and then they can sort of say to you, yeah, I, actually, I can definitely help you with that or actually, no, I reckon I've got a better person for you. Here's, here's her number. Uh, so talking to them and asking a trillion questions is, is a really good way to start off with a professional organiser. I think too, I know um, certainly there's quite a lot of people and I've done this while I've been working in the industry that will give you a free initial consultation. Mm. And um, because, you know, I have my own niche areas that I will work in, um, a lot of the time it's it's got to be a dual connection. I don't want them to just feel connected to me. I want to feel connected yeah. to them or I might feel that I cannot assist them and so I will always suggest that we meet in person in their space and then because and there have been clients which I have said look um, you know this isn't the right project for me Mm. I don't you know I don't think you're going to get the best value for money out of me I'm going to refer you to this person Um, and also I I really like that people get over that initial first because it's such a vulnerable situation Mm to allow someone into your house and touch your things. Like you said, um, I think having someone physically in the space can be really nice as well and and give you that gut feeling that sometimes you might not be able to get, you know, via websites and things like that. So um, a lot of the time if you ask people, and it might be that it's at, you know, quarter to five on their way home from another job or something like that, most people will be happy to drop in and say hi, see your space, and again, then they're prepared. Yep. yep. Um, Some uh, professional organisers do that. A, a lot don't. I don't. I will do it for special circumstances. For the most part, I've been doing this long mm-hmm. enough now that I can pretty much peg someone with a, a quick phone call and I can figure out exactly, you know, what it is that they need and um, understand their needs and understand whether or not I'm the right person for that and explain what I do. And I can generally do that in a phone call. And early on when when I was first beginning would have been the better time to do those initial consults. But one thing I did find when I, when I did do those and one thing that another, a lot of other organisers have found is that the client actually gets motivated by seeing you and wants to actually start right then and there and then you kind of have to sit down make a date with them and then go back to them again and to me some of the time it seems like a waste of time for a lot of clients Mm -hmm. it's just deferring what it is that they want to do and we can do a lot of that sort of preempting stuff on the phone but then I will get some cases where you know, if somebody has hoarding disorder, for example, or they're really, really anxious or someone else is organising it for them and they're particularly anxious, then I do like to sort of say, let's meet at a cafe first and just have a chat so that you can get to know me and feel comfortable with me away from your stuff and away from the environment and so that you can get a feel for me and whether or not you want to let me in your space and then we'll book a session after that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of my sessions are short a lot of the time I've got a large proportion of my sessions are kickstart sessions where I go into someone's home and I go right what's the problem what do you want to achieve okay here are my recommendations for overcoming all of those obstacles and here's a plan of action and this is what you need to do and then they go off and they do it themselves some of them will get me back in to do it with them but others will implement the plan themselves and so if I were to go in and do an initial 
session with them, I'd be kind of doubling up a little bit and I would also mm-hmm. be then tempted to give away my expertise for nothing. And I think that some professional organisers who start off in the industry do find that that does happen. It can be one of those situations where you you go to make an initial consult and the client asks a lot of questions because, you know, they've they've got problems to be solved. And then the organiser answers all those questions and then at the end the client goes, oh, okay, I don't think I need you then. I think I'll be okay on my own. And so they've taken this time, mm-hmm. they've given away their professional expertise, all this, the training that they've worked so hard for and all of that, and then there's no job after that. So from a professional perspective, sometimes mm-hmm. that can be problematic. It's not really, you know, a huge problem, but it has happened to quite a few organisers and they have often decided not to do those ghost in, in-home consults um, because of that but the phone ones the phone ones for me they work a treat so I'll spend as long as the client needs on the phone setting up for our session and I don't charge for that of course. So bearing all that in mind then what do you need to do or what do you need to have to become a professional organizer or a declutter coach or anyone that falls under that umbrella do you require training do you require accreditation what's involved there's no regulation of the industry so you actually anyone anybody can just call themselves a professional organizer that mm-hmm. obviously has its pitfalls <laughs> because as we've just been discussing you know you are dealing with people's lives, with their emotions. You're dealing with people who are anxious, who might be grieving, who might be um, have a mental illness. And I think that dealing with such personal issues, it can be quite dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. So it is a concern in our industry that anybody can say, "I'll come and I'll come and organise your house." You know, I'll charge you whatever dollars an hour. It'll be on our Air Tasker for. $15 an hour or something and yeah I'll come and do it cuz I like doing mine at home. And you know that's that's quite dangerous because there is a lot that you don't know about until you enter the industry or you've been properly trained and it can come as a quite a surprise to people who enter the industry sometimes there's we do have you know this the industry has low barriers to entry so there are a lot of people who will start doing this because um it doesn't cost a lot to to start off and to call yourself a professional organiser. But then they leave the industry very quickly because after a while they figure out, oh, hey, this is harder than I thought. This is not just about lining things up in a pretty line. This is about people and this is about emotions and this is about mental health. And so, you know, those that have got the training are actually much more equipped. So, there is no regulation. You don't have to be. But we do have an industry body. Um, I did mention before that I am on the board of the Institute of Professional Organisers and that is um, a body that represents in, people in our industry and um, supports them to become the best that they can be and to make sure that our industry is full of people who take their role really seriously and do um do their training and keep their professional development up and run their business professionally rather than it being um, as a hobby. So um, this this particular body is a membership organisation and um, professional organisers join it to uh, improve their professional development, to network, to learn more, to um, mentor each other and uh, and support each other. So we – and part of – what we do in the IOPO as well is accredit our members. And so we can actually then 
say to the public, this particular professional organiser has met our criteria for accreditation, which means that they know what they're doing. They know their stuff. They've done their training. They've Mm -hmm. done the hours. They've done the hard yards. Um, They can be trusted in your home. And so we find that we think that's really important. Given that it's an unregulated industry, it's important that we can give the public some kind of reassurance that there is someone watching these people we are watching them and we are growing them and we're developing them uh, as best that we can. So um, that's really important to to us as an organisation. And I guess then that gives someone contemplating hiring uh, a professional organiser an avenue to ask, are you a member of um, IOPO? Are you accredited? Have you done any training in the area? Mm. That's a very valid question Definitely. to ask. And if that puts your mind at ease, then by all means, ask yeah. ask away. Yeah. And like I was saying, you know, one of those trillion questions that you want to ask a professional organiser when you first call them is, do you, what training have you done? Uh, what, are you, what do you specialise in? What do you know? How long have you been doing this for? All of those questions can really then find yourself a, an experienced organiser who's not going to waste your money and your time um, in, in your home. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I think you've got to be really comfortable. And for me, I have only been in the world of professional organisers for quite a short time. My background is in psychology and I work more in the life coaching sphere. However, I do have declutter coach on my Mm. business card and on my profile as well um, because I found those things so closely integrated. And for me, and I guess my specialty then is I am, you know, a lot of the time when people are going through their their belongings, they will hit a roadblock or they'll hit a snag. It might be that they um, find a relationship that they are not coping with and that is causing a blockage in a whole lot of areas, emotionally, maybe physically, maybe they're holding on to items that um, remind them of the relationship or things like that. And then that's where, you know, my, I guess my area of interest and my area Mm. of specialty is. So I guess once people identify the the issues and the constraints that are stopping them from living the life that they want, um, where those issues are arising from, that's quite often where I will step in then and take a lot of clients through a whole lot of a series of steps. We'll do I, I do a lot of my work online, so I have clients scattered all over. Some I am working through with them to heal relationships that they've been in. Some I work with that have got really cluttered Mm. schedules and find themselves over busy and we work through trying to declutter their schedules. Um, And there's homework assignments and things like that as well. And there's there's all manner of things. I think the life coaching is a bit like professional organising in that it's a very wide umbrella and you have your specific areas. And so for me, my area of interest in life coaching was teaching people to do less or be less or have less in order to have a more mm. fulfilling life. And so that's where the it, you know, came hand in hand with yeah. decluttering. So it's it's a really interesting area. Thanks so much for sharing all of your um, ideas with us today, Beck. That's been yeah, really that's- good. And I'm sure it's been really helpful to a lot of people that are wondering about the industry and, and how it operates and how it works. And if indeed you got a professional organiser, what what you would maybe be looking for with that person. Yeah. So, Beck, when you arrive at 
a session, what would a client typically expect from you or from um, someone in the industry to conduct during that session time? Okay. Everyone's different, but so I'm sort of talking generally and I obviously can't speak for individual uh, organisers, but generally if it's a hands-on session or if it's a coaching session, it will usually start with uh, an assessment of some kind. So where the professional organiser finds out what it is you want to achieve and what's stopping you from achieving that. So that's usually what starts us off and we ask questions in order to to find out all of that information, which then helps us come up with a strategy for resolving those issues. And so resolving those issues could be a theory thing. It could be where, let's say, there might be one particular client who just needs their family to have a more structured routine. So that's going to be a very theory-based session where they say, this is what I want, and then the professional organisers, all right, well, then here are some strategies. You can do this and you can do this and you can do this, and then they talk about it and they teach and then that's pretty much it. But there might then be another person whose problem is that they can't find anything in their office. And so the organiser goes, okay, well, then we're going to have a hands-on session to achieve this. We're going to uh, declutter your office and then we're going to organize what's left and so then they get stuck into that there will always be that planning at the beginning though if your organizer doesn't ask you any questions then tell them to because it's really important that the organizer knows what you're thinking and knows what you want if they start working without knowing what you want they're going to be working they're obviously not experienced but they're going to be working to their agenda they're going to be having the office look the way they want it to look. They're going to organise it in a way that they that they instinctively go looking for things. And so it's not going to be based on you. So if you do find you have an organiser who doesn't ask you questions at the outset about how you live your life, then you might find that they don't quite have the experience to give you maybe exactly what you need. So in that session, like I said, you would you would sort of get stuck into some hands-on or you would do a theory-based one. So talking hands-on, a lot of organisers will sometimes bring stuff with them. So they might bring boxes and bags or tubs that you can sort into. Others won't bring that and they'll use whatever they find in your home, both methods perfectly valid. They will teach you, hopefully, teach you the process while they're doing it so that you can then carry on with some homework when they're not around or you can then use that skill later in life. It's really important that for I believe it's really important to work with the professional organiser and not just say to them, there's my office, can you go and organise it? Because you're very unlikely to be able to maintain that if it's not done in a way that is intuitive for you and the only way for it to be done that way is to work with the organiser. So uh, an organiser is worth their salt will ask lots of questions if they have to work alone and they will also coach you if they're not working alone through the decision-making process, through the decluttering process. They will teach you where that you can dispose of belongings. They will teach you how to ask yourself questions to decide whether things should stay or go or how to ask yourself questions to decide where something should live. All of those things should happen while while you're working and you should be learning. That's the key. A cleaner will do it for you over and over and over again. A professional organiser doesn't want to do it over and over for you again. They want you to learn how to do this yourself. It's the, the role of a knowledge transfer with some muscle and some hands-on help at the same time. But the really 
important bit is that knowledge transfer because you want to be able to learn the skills so that you can be independent yourself. And would it be reasonable then to expect any kind of follow-up after your session or would you typically write notes? Speaking as, you know, from my little niche bit of the industry, I will always follow up with my online clients with, you know, a report and a summary of what we've discussed and some homework and tips going forward and things like that to try and implement. Mm. Is that similar? Yeah, it depends on the client. So some will need it and some won't. I mm-hmm. Mine's mostly coaching, so I write notes while we're there and they keep them there. They keep those notes. And then if they need any extra, so if they forget something or if they can't read my writing, they can contact me to get clarification. I can send them some some extra information. But I tend to write all my notes there on the day and give, give them to them to take with them. Mm-hmm. Right, so that all done with, it's on to this week's challenge. So today we are talking about photos and albums and decluttering some of those that perhaps take up a bit too much space for no real reason. We do keep photos for sentimental reasons and um, that makes total sense, but there are a lot that we have that are duplicates and perhaps not the best quality if you look through your albums, you might find, you know, in back in the day before we had digital, we would keep most of the photos because sometimes, you know, half of the, the film would be, you know, blurry, but you didn't only want to have six photos, so you kept them all. So have a look back on your old albums. See if you can consolidate some, perhaps. One method to reduce the amount of space that your photos take up is to actually reassess your albums uh, take all the photos out of the albums and store them in photo boxes instead and then just create a couple of highlight albums so that you are just showing like the highlight reel the best of and then the rest are stored in photo boxes for you to you know change around every now and then if you want or to still look at but not necessarily to flick through Digital photos are a whole different story. We'll talk about them another time. So this week it's just your physical photos. What have you got hanging around that you could possibly reduce the volume of? Enjoy your walk down memory lane while you do this job. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram, or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.